don't see my accountability if I'm born with an evil nature, or there's something in me that causes me to be predisposed towards evil. I believe that I come on the scene a blank sheet. I believe like that statement uh, in Deuteronomy 1, that children who do not know right from wrong are not guilty. And when you reach a point where you know something is wrong, and you do it, then you feel guilt in your heart. And, and, that's, and, you, and you have sinned. God doesn't do anything evil. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't even allow us to be tempted above that, that which we're able to bear. And I think the other, see, from my standpoint, the, the other is a cop-out. It's like the Freudian psychology. That I believe that to fully appreciate Jesus and to fully understand that I need to repent, I have to recognize that I am a sinner. And it's not because God made me a sinner. I am a sinner because I have exercised my free choice time and time again to disobey God. And, and, and for that reason, I stand condemned. And, and I appreciate Jesus because he was tempted in every way that I am tempted and yet exercised his free choice to obey God and, and then could offer himself as a sacrifice for my sins uh, that, that I actually committed. So the difference is, what you're saying is that, that sure, man is, is there's, there, they do not, he does not keep the law. He hasn't in the past. Right. He, in all likelihood, he, he's not going to, just like we can certainly understand that our children are not going to con constantly obey us. But if they can do it on this one point, and they could do it the next time on this right. one point, and they could do it the next time, and they could conceivably go a day, yeah. you know, then then obviously they could they could do it perfectly for their lifetime. Yeah. But who of us would think that they were going yeah. to? Oops. And so I think that that am I understanding the difference? You're saying that man does not sin, but if I understand the other position right, they're saying because. That there's a no, I'm saying desire. man does sin, right. but I'm saying that man sins of his own free choice. Right, right. And so they're saying that, am I understanding the, the, the disagreement? They're saying, they're saying that man, it's impossible for him to not sin, that he has a predisposed evil, evil nature. And you're saying and this that evil, that desire evil desire puts him at a disadvantage. In other words, himself. right, they're I'm saying the evil him. desire puts him at a disadvantage when it comes to the law. Apparently Jesus didn't have that evil desire. I'm saying that I don't have an evil desire put in me by God. That my desires, I have desires, and my desire becomes evil when I choose to, to use it in the wrong way. My desire in the sexual thing is not evil. When I decide to channel that in a way other than God's law, then the result is evil, and that's bad. Uh, my desire, if you work at a job where you handle money, and, and maybe you've got a lot of debt, and you're thinking, hey, I could take some of this and nobody would ever know the better, that's temptation, but you haven't sinned. When you actually take it, or when you began to covet it to the point that given the opportunity you would take it, that would be lust. But as long as you're there thinking, man, you know, that sure could handle my problems. I'm tempted, but I would never do that. You haven't sinned. You've been tempted, but you haven't sinned. It's, it's only evil because of what we do with it. But that doing with it is our, is our choice. If you desire the money badly and you say, well, I'm going to take a second job and work to get the money, 
Right. And you've channeled that desire for the money in the right direction. You haven't seen it. Right. It's just like the anger. It says, be angry and sin not. So you do something that it makes me mad, and I've got a choice that I can go get me a ball bat and, and come after you because I'm mad, or I can say, no, God says that's wrong. And so then I come to you and, and say, Mark, you really hurt me on this, and I try to deal with it in, in that way. Well, then my anger has made me come to you. Um, my anger at sin may cause me to fight it. Uh, Paul says, through thy word I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way in Psalms 119.104. So the ability to hate is good. God hates. The ability to be angry is good. Jesus got so mad he cleaned the house one time in the temple. So the, the potential to hate, the potential to be angry, God is a jealous God. The potential to be jealous, those emotions are not bad in and of themselves. It's the way we channel those emotions and the way we handle them uh, that determines whether or not they're wrong. But uh, there is nothing sinful about being angry. There's nothing sinful about hating or the capacity to hate. Uh, but it's when we choose to channel those emotions in a wrong way, then they become sinful, but, but we make the choice every time. Yeah, we've, got the, we've got the verse that says, all of sin and all short. short of the glory of God. Uh -huh. and, and that verse in itself... I mean, to me, that's that's saying that all of sin and everyone that's going to be born hereafter will sin, right? Of their own free choice. Right. Right. I guess maybe the question is, what's how how was Jesus able to live a perfect life and not sin, and everybody else not able to do that? He had perfect faith in God. Perfect faith in God. Paul said the faith is that right now, right now, you and I have faith that obviously has the ability to grow. That I am more devout now than I was 10 years ago. And if I live 10 years longer, I hope to be more Christ-like then. Uh, your, your faith is growing. I, I'm saying if I had, when I do slip, it's because I've taken my trust out of God and 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 put it in my in myself. So, so that's the root of all sin. Is because we rebel against God and we say we're not going to trust God in this situation. We know what He says about this, and we we're going to choose to make our own decision. And right. in essence, we're going to be our own God. Right. The faith that avails, the faith that works through love. Okay, I understand that. You do not sin until you give in, you act upon your mm -hmm. emotion or you give in to the temptation. Right. But what about those situations? I have t trouble with, you know, dealing with having bad thoughts about people. I mean, how can you, or just, I mean, you don't even realize you do it until after the fact. Like, that person's really, I mean, I mean, I know they're terrible thoughts, but like, you look at someone, you think they're ugly, or you think they're fat, or you think they're getting on your nerves, and you, or you, Okay. And you, how can you control? Okay, there's nothing wrong. You uh, I mean, I you have a thought that is, but somebody has to do something to inject that in your mind, right? And the thought is there. Nobody uh, anything except for walking in front of you. Okay. If um, if right. In other words, uh, and, and this person may very well be ugly. You know. Uh, 
But I'm saying all you're saying with uh, <laughs> ugliness is a degree thing. You're saying they're not as attractive as somebody else. Uh, that, uh, but I'm, I'm saying that uh, you can be tempted, but it's when you give in to it, uh, into the temptation itself, that uh, you can have the thought, but then the question is, are you going to give in to that thought? Or would you give in to that thought if you had the opportunity? And if the answer is no, I know the thought is wrong, you're on top of it. You're, you're showing there that you believe God's law and, and you're actually striving. It's when you give in to it that you actually sin. Like if I went around and said, go here, you know, if I actually told the person that they were ugly or fat, that would be, that would be the, where it would be, I mean, I... If your intent is to hurt somebody, that would be wrong. Your intent of heart is to hurt somebody. In other words, the only reason for telling a person they're ugly is you want to hurt them. Right, you would have no reason, but you'd have bad intentions. Right. What about situations where we uh, actually deceive ourselves? You do it willfully. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. It's, it's your choice. Well, no, you don't do it willfully. You, you, you do it unconsciously. I don't think so. I, you're not... You're not he says, be not deceived in order to, you have to be. Uh, uh, in other words... I don't know the scripture, but the Bible speaks of The Bible speaks of that. How does Paul command us not to do it? He says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. How can he command us not to be conceived unless we've got a choice in the matter? And, and he's talking about somebody who has convinced himself he can do one thing that's wrong and reap something that's right. And he's saying, we, don't be deceived. But we have that situation all the time. Like in, in trying to teach people who, uh, say, are in the, um, say, have a different view than we do, uh, they may be wrong about their view. But yet they, but yet they, will, not, they will not accept it. And even though you teach them, and and it's plain, they still don't, they don't accept it and they don't believe it. You mean that there's somebody that believes it's wrong to murder, or I mean that believes that it's right to murder or lie or cheat or something like that? See, I think our well, problem... I think about something like, say, instrumental music. Or, okay, that's a good example. See, the, uh, Alva, we, we didn't separate ourselves from God by not using a piano. We've created these little things. That I'm saying that the we broke sin morally with God. The the law is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and man, man deceives himself all the time. I don't know how that. Sure, you do. He does. He he rationalizes and he, it, and he does it on an unconscious level. He does it not knowing or not accepting on a conscious level what he's actually doing, and that happens. And that happens every. How day. come it didn't? Uh, it didn't happen with Jesus. I don't know. I mean, if it didn't, he had something going for him that I don't. Well, I think I think a seed is something that you you ease into uh, knowingly, but it gets to the point where you can't recover from it. And the example I have, I think of is is uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia. I guess it's Stone Mountain. They have it's this big granite dome, okay. Oh. And you you can start walking over the edge of that, and you you never get the sense that you're in any danger you, because the slope starts off gradually. And they had a lot of people killed before they put a fence up there to keep people from going past that point. Okay, let's let's say that person walks off and he's killed. Has he sinned? 
Well, I'm not sure I was thinking of it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? I don't believe those things have anything to do with sin. Uh, I believe sin, there's only two ways we sin. Against God and against one another. My point was, let me go just a little further than this. My point was, you can look across that fence now and the ground on the other side of the fence is about as flat as it is on the inside of the fence. You think, well, I could walk out there and not be in any danger. I think I will. And uh, but you go to a certain point and you can't get back up, you know, because it changes on your direction. To me, that's the way self-deceit is. You take some, you, you're aware that you're taking a step you shouldn't take, but it looks okay. And but you get. Well, to what 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 makes you aware that you're taking a step you shouldn't take? Well, that fence is there. That's the law. So to speak. Yeah. the law no, is there. Before. See what I'm saying is I don't believe those kinds of things are sin. You have to have a, a moral example. To have a parallel. In other words, the whole law is summed up in loving God and loving your fellow man. Uh, the uh, the loving, and he defines what loving your fellow man is. You know, not stealing from him, not lying about him, not wanting to murder him, etc. And he defines what loving God is. And I'm saying that when I sin against my fellow man, it's a result of a choice that I make. Or if I sin against the company, that I work with or anything like that. But I do it as a matter of choice. Now, I may be deceived in the sense that I have personally convinced myself that I can do it and get away with it. And Paul is saying, don't be deceived in that sense. Where is the passage uh, dealing with the lust of, lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? Uh, 1 John 2, 15-17. Well, could you define the sin because... We get little examples around that people are thinking are sin, but then you're saying, you know, that's not what I'm talking about, and you, you start talking about the murder and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that is. In other words, yeah, I'm saying that, that... That seems to be a problem. All right, on, think, I'm saying on sins of ignorance, a person may very well be ignorant, say, that, uh, that uh, on something about instrumental music and worship, I mean, it'd be very easy. There's no commandment. There's no law that says you shouldn't do it or anything like that. So it'd be very easy to have not come to the conclusion that that was not, right? Yeah, that there's, uh, so that'd be very easy. But when you take direct commands, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, uh, thou shalt not bear false witness and all, uh, that we, we understand and we know those things and they bear witness with our own conscience. Just like the very thing Paul is doing to me is what I'm arguing for right now. To the Gentile, he's saying that the Gentile is fully accountable to God even though he didn't have the written law. What about stuff like the uh, envy and, and you know, these I mean, like adultery. I mean, it's pretty obvious when... Well, it might not be obvious. I, I, I've got a, a friend at work. Uh, what, no, guy that, what happened, he, uh, he married a girl, found out she was already married. So I, don't believe he, uh, and I don't believe he sinned. Well, did he commit adultery? Um, he had to, in other words, in his own, he did not willfully disobey God or anything of that nature. You've got a technicality there that he knew nothing about. To sin, you have to have lust in your own heart and give into it. It's like, what about the man that runs over somebody and kills him, but he never intended to? See, it'd be the same thing. Uh, like, and so the, the same thing there, that person... That person would not be well, guilty that, of anything. That, that implies sin has an intent quality built into it. If you don't intend to do something, it's not a sin. 
Right, I'm saying that... Um, it's when desire has conceived. Right. When you you've mean, been tempted and then desire has conceived. Right. And then you choose to do wrong. Huh? You mean you can't sin unknowingly? Yeah, in the... Yeah, he's saying that. Yeah, you, you can. I'm saying in these moral things in our relationship one to another and in our relationship to God, that we that's how that's how we got into the sinning business. That... Uh, and, and that separates us. When we talk about living a life w without sin, we're not talking about things like whether or not you use a piano or whether you don't know about some legal document or something of that nature. We're talking about things that involve lying and stealing and cheating and murder and adultery and fornication and envy and jealousy and, and wrath and, and those kinds of things. And, and making the decision, in other words, the world's not in a mess because people use pianos or don't use them. Uh, the, the world's not in a mess because people either do or do not have a Church of Christ sign in their building. That's not, it's not, uh, the world's in a mess because of lying and cheating and stealing and murder and adultery and fornication and homosexuality and things like that. And that's where the problems of the world are and that's what has separated man uh, from God. And I'm saying in those areas, we make decisions in our own mind. And, and God doesn't cause us to make those decisions, that we make them of our own free choice. I think a good passage, a good commentary might be 1 John 2, 16, where he says, For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, or the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Oh. It does. But we live in the world, and we possess sure. it. Sure. You live in the world, and you're tempted by the world. Well, and we possess it. It's within us. It's within us, or we wouldn't think about it. How is it anymore within? Jesus lived in the world, and he lived in the flesh. And he was tempted in all ways that we are, and yet he did not sin. We can choose maybe not he had evil world. thoughts. Huh? I said maybe he had evil thoughts. Jesus didn't sin. Well, that's just what I was talking but, about. But those, I have, but those I have thoughts, evil. I, I'm saying I have evil thoughts. I think so, what you may be doing though is calling. You might consider temptation, temptation sin. Sin. I think that's what you're doing. You're calling temptation sin because, and I mean, Jesus said I could call ten thousand angels. I think he was tempted. I mean, he he knew he had the power to do a lot of things that he didn't do. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of times that he might have thought, well, I could strike you dead. But he didn't. Well, actually, he was saying that in a way. When Pilate's up there saying what he can do, and he said, I could call 10,000 legions of angels. In other words, uh, obviously, he was aware of the fact that I don't have to do this. And I'm only doing it because it's the will of God, and I really don't want to do it. Lord, if you got another way, take it. But I'll do it, even though I don't want to, and even though I could get out of it. So he was he was tempted, and yet he, yet he overcame the temptation. Uh, See, I think one of the reasons that something like that last temptation of Jesus was so blasphemous to some people is because, and I'm not saying that the, about the, defending the wrong parts, but I'm saying is they, they have built an, uh, an image of Jesus where he's just above temptation. And that's not the Jesus. The, the Jesus in the flesh was tempted in every way that I am tempted, and he made the choice not to give in to it. Well, how would you analyze this? This is just this is a, a, something that, that happened to me recently. Was um, we have we have a man that's ill there at work, and some of the men came and one of the company would. I'll try to make this brief. One of the company would give money, and 
So I told him I would think about it, and I, I got back with him, and I told him that I didn't think, you know, that that's really what the company ought to, that, that the company per se should do that, but that if individuals wanted to do that, that, that was fine. And that the end, and that, you know, and that, that I had something that I wanted to give. And so I had put some money in an envelope, and I gave the money to them. But I left the envelope open. Well, after I, after I came back, I realized that the reason I left it open was I really wanted them to see in it. But if I had done it right, I would have sealed it. Okay, but so I didn't realize in my own heart what I had done. Did you seal it? No, I didn't seal it. Well, then how well, did... I didn't realize in my own heart that, 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 and that secretly, within my own self, I wanted them to see what was in the envelope. You didn't realize that until later, right? But so later, after I, after I got back and I got to thinking about it, I thought of the scripture that says, give thy, when, when you give your alms, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And I thought, if I had done that as the Lord would have done it, I would have sealed well, the envelope. if... You don't necessarily have to sell it. If your intent of heart was not to display it, and it's open, it's no big deal. If your intent of heart was to show it, that's where the sin would be. Just like Jesus well, that's what said. I, say. I think that that was my intent, or I would have sealed it. Not necessarily. Uh, that if it was, yeah. only you would know that. You might have forgot. But I'm saying no, I didn't that. Um, either. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying when no. Jesus said, "When you pray, go into the closet." Right. We pray publicly. We don't go into the closet and, and pray. We pray publicly. We understand that he's saying that if your intent of heart out here is to show everybody how righteous you are when you're praying, then that's wrong. But that don't mean that you cannot pray publicly and have a right intent of heart. Right, but in my case, see, I didn't tell them what was in it. I just handed it to them. So I think the difference would be if it was unintentional, Sin, then, then I don't, the sacrifice be, of Jesus wasn't, is there. It wasn't unintentional. If well, if you intentionally did it, then you sinned. Yeah. That's right. That's but right. you I intentionally did, did it. That's he right. Didn't he intentionally but he was aware of his... You cannot do something <laughs> intentionally and not realize it. <laughs> How can you do something intentionally? That's a that's a contradiction in terms. I did it intentionally, but I didn't realize it. Well, I you, did it. Uh, what I'm saying is that I did it. I did it secretly. I mean, the, then you the secret. The, the real, no, but it wasn't intentionally. Well, it cannot be intentional. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is that we do things on unconscious levels. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the and that's a good example of an unconscious level where I was really and truly that's I mean I, I think that's why that's why that I did. Well, I think. But I think if I had it to do over now, having gone through that experience, if I had to do it over, I would seal it. Well, I think maybe. It, but I I felt badly about that after after it was all over because I, I, I understand I, that. I mean, I really did because I felt like yeah. that I should have, you know, if I'd sure, really, well, then you sin. If so really what? Been, uh, really you, if you sin, then you just repent of it, and that's it. But I'm saying we all well, do those kinds of things. But you do well, it what I'm of saying, your own choice. Well, <laughs> well, Apple, well, you know, if, if you what you may have did is when you did it, you you knew what you the reason you left it open, but you didn't want to admit it. 
And that's then, my point. But the, but but you know what you did. <laughs> so you knew what you did, and then later on, then you then you you were honest with yourself, and you admitted it to that's, yourself. That's exactly right, and that's but, why. But I'm, when you did it, you knew what you were doing, but you just didn't admit it to yourself. Right. I mean, if you, when you put right. the money and in there and, and, all, the I, and you and had the, the decision, you had the decision to sell the envelope or not, yeah. and you chose, you, you know what you were selling, it, you didn't sell that envelope. Then uh, the reason, I mean, if you if you just put it in there and just give it to them empty, I mean, open, and and you don't even think about selling it, then you hadn't made a choice. But if you think about selling it, and you think, no, I'm not going to sell it then there's a reason that you decided not to sell it. If you thought about selling it, and then you didn't sell it, there's a reason you didn't sell it. That's right. Now, if, but the, so you made a decision. So what, the sin comes in, what was the reason? And if you said, I didn't want to sell it because I wanted to look in it. It was, it was, it was not until later that I was honest with myself and I understood what was going on. You, and, that's, and that's why I said But you knew it at the time. That's why I said earlier that we deceive ourselves. Sure. You deceived yourself, but you did it of your own choice. Right. I'm saying that uh, that's the argument with John Calvin all through the years, is whether or not you're born with an evil nature. Uh, that's exactly why the, the difference between, say, yourself and the, the Baptist on something like uh, uh, salvation they believe that man is incapable of any good because of his evil nature, and the Holy Spirit regenerates his heart and gives him the gift of, well, of repentance Paul, and belief. Paul here talks about a sinful nature in, in Romans 7. We sure. talked about that this morning. Right. It talks about the sinful nature that is within him. Uh -huh. But it's caused by Paul nature. himself. And even a, he says, I do not understand what I do. Right. You know? I do what I well, he's saying, I don't know why I always give in to it. It's just like you, you've lost your temper after saying, I'm not going to do that again. And you say, this is crazy. Why do I keep doing that? But the point is, you, you still did it. And Jesus was tempted in every way that you're tempted. Yeah, but we don't always do it on a conscious level. That's right. It has to be some level. In other words, you, have to, you can't sin unless there's intent in your heart. Well, that's right, but the same way. I'd like to know. All right, a good example is the law against taking a life. When when he gave the command, "Thou shalt not kill," he then continued on to say that if you accidentally take a life, that that is not murder, and you go to one of the six cities of refuge and you stay there, and your life would not be taken. But if you lie and wait for somebody and you intend to take their life and you take it, then you're a murderer. Uh, if you have accidentally picked up some money that wasn't yours, that was laying as you picked up your money, and so then you get home and you realize, hey, I picked up some money that's not mine, okay? You didn't steal that money. Now you've got a decision to make. Do I take it back or do I keep it? And so if you take it back, you take it back. You make the decision to keep it, and then you, you've sold it. But because you accidentally picked it up when you didn't know it, you have not sinned. You have to intend it in your heart to be guilty before God. You, you, it's not a matter of, of, uh, of God creating us in such a way that we just do wrong things and don't even realize it and then, and then stand condemned when it comes to our moral relationships. But I've got an example that just come to mind when you were saying that. Uh, you were saying that stealing was one of the, one of the moral sins. 
uh, from missionaries I've known, I understand that in, in Liberia, uh, where there are, it's common for people to starve to death, uh, when a man gets in a, in a jam and you give a man some money, uh, you may ask him a week later, uh, what what happened to that? Or you might say, I give uh, Alva some money to take to the poor Christians in South Liberia. And I ask him a week later, what happened to that money? And he'll say, I ate it. And in their country, when they say they ate it, they mean that they needed that money bad enough that they decided they were going to use it on themselves. Or, in the same, by the same token, I was so hungry that I ate. I was starving. There was the money. There was the food. I ate. He ate the food. Literally he ate it. He literally ate food or he ate the money. And they use the same word. He said that the people in that country use the same word. They say, what happened to that money? I ate it. All right, to give you a parallel no. example uh, as far as the sin. David and the showbread. Uh, in Matthew, the 12th chapter, referring to the Old Testament, David is running from Saul. It's only legal for the priest to eat the showbread. David has a decision to make. Do my men and I starve, or do we eat the showbread that's only legal for the priest? David comes to the conclusion that God doesn't intend for him to starve to death. And he remembers the passage about the mercy of God. And so he doesn't intend to do wrong, but he, he is, his recognition is that mercy will triumph over the legality, and so he eats the showbread. So he didn't see No, Jesus said he did not. He said, although he did that, which was unlawful, he did not sin. And he said, if you understood this passage, I require mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. In other words, that the law of mercy took precedence over legality. In other words, David did not say, I'm, God said, don't eat this, and therefore I'm going to eat it. But David said, I don't want to eat it. I know it's only for the priests, but I'm starving. I don't believe that God intends for me to starve to death. And so, even though I don't want to, I'll eat it to keep from starving. Jesus said that David understood something high about God, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, you, you're on your way to take the Lord's Supper on Sunday. You believe you ought to take of it every first day of the week. And there's a car accident. And so you stop and you help somebody out and you don't partake of the Lord's Supper. You haven't sinned. You, you, mercy has triumphed over the legality of another. You've said that there's a weightier matter here. And Jesus said there were weightier matters of the law. And so you have said that this is a, there's a conflict here and I'm going to obey the weightier matter. And, and that's, that's different than somebody who is sinning against somebody with the intent of heart to hurt that person or to whatever they might do to that person or to have that attitude towards God. But, I mean, that's not, that's not the kind of thing that separates us from God. Well, the, the reason I was saying that was because this man in Liberia, in his whole environment, in his country, saying that I ate it is a very reasonable thing. No. He sees absolutely nothing wrong with it, with stealing money. Well, you're saying that in your situation, what you said was that he was starving, and that he would starve without that. Yeah, but what I'm and saying, and he makes a decision. But he decides that in the country, they equate that with just wanting it, and, and in their eyes, 
If they spend that money on whatever they want, they ate it and it's all right. Yeah, it's just nothing like wrong in, with it. Like in Honduras, if you leave a hole in the back of your pickup truck and some guy walks by and he wants that hole, they don't consider it wrong to it, steal it. It was your fault because you left it in the back of the truck and that's open. Well, that's not what Paul said in, um, when he talked about the Gentile in Acts 2. Remember what was said this morning that Paul, the Gentile, had an accountability problem because he didn't have the written law. And he said, you've got the law written on your conscience. And in your own conscience, you perceive the things that are right and wrong. I'm saying you don't take something that belongs to another person and do it in good conscience. And culturally, it, they have done that. Oh, sure. It may be acceptable in your society, just like in our society, it is acceptable to do a lot of things that are wrong, and so people do it because it's acceptable, but that don't mean they do it in good conscience. I might, I might say that I really appreciate the discussion, and I, I, I appreciate the people involved, and I know with Mark, and I know you, know, you feel the same way. I don't know of anybody I respect any more than Mark, and obviously I don't know Alva as well as I do him, but I, I know that he's even the thing that he just spoke of and wanting to do right and the, the money deal and everything. Obviously, we have good people involved, and, and I think that's wonderful. I think we need to get more comfortable with being able to talk about things because we all grow. I think we've all got something to offer and get the other one to think, and I, I really appreciate the congregation for that. I think that that's good and it's healthy, and it's not everywhere, and I think yeah. there needs to be more of it. I think that's good. See, that's what I'm trying to figure out is is whether or not, I've heard people that were 80 years old had been Christians almost all their lives and, and I really respected, and they said, I sin every day, every minute of the day. You know, there is no time that I'm without sin, and, and, and that to me is so discouraging. Uh, listen, because I would think that... That may know, be an overstatement on their part. Uh, I mean, I hear, uh, I hear them pray for our forgiveness of sin okay, four yeah, times in a worship service. Right now. Are you sinning right now? I don't think so. I'm, I'm not killing oh, yeah. anybody. I'm not raping anybody. That's right. That's right. You, know. you don't. The statement that I sin every. Paul says, "Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies." Uh, John said, "One born of God cannot continue in sin." Yeah. There is a difference between striving from something and falling short and make, and and simply giving in and in living, letting that reign and dominate and control your life. You don't have to sin every moment of your life. And, and you can conduct yourself in such a way where you don't commit adultery and you don't murder and you don't steal, etc. And that's, that's not teaching that you're going to be perfect, but I'm saying that God's law, it, we're not it was of, of such a nature that we just go sin in every minute of the day. That, that doesn't have to be. We, we may fall short in the totality uh, of our experience, but we don't have to go through just, and that's what Paul is saying, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. In other words, it's your choice. He said, don't let it rain in your mortal body. You can let it rain. So sinlessness is not equivalent to perfection. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, you know I, I may you know, make some mistakes, but my intentions are correct. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's exactly, that's a good point. Right. Perfectly Sinless is, is right. Uh, to be perfect... You would have to know everything, right? You would have to know everything to be perfect. We, Jesus didn't be know. able to do it. Right, right. You have to know it and be able to do it. Okay, we don't know everything. 
and we're not able to do everything. But what we can control is the intent of our heart and whether or not we give, and that's where we sin against God. And if we're talking about sins of ignorance, well, now if the intent of our heart is correct, then we're part of that intent is going to be to inform ourselves. Right. And, and even there, you don't stand. In other words, to show you God's attitude towards it, you don't, it doesn't condemn you. Jesus said that if I had not performed these miracles among you, then you would have an excuse for your denial of me. But now you have no excuse because you've seen these miracles. If I had not taught you these things, you would have an excuse. But now you've heard, so you have no excuse. And so you have to reach that point where you see it. And again, the example with the little children, your children that did not know right from wrong were not guilty, and they will go in. But you have to know right from wrong, and then you become guilty before God. Okay, so there's... Okay, man is just man. And there's an, there's an element of evil and there's an element of good in the world. And, but man is neither evil nor good. He has the, the choice to choose evil or good. And even though he chooses, say he chooses good, and every once in a while he does something that's evil, that doesn't mean he's, he's good overall. He's not evil. He's, now, first of all, listen... What we good and evil are two words. Good and evil are two words. So things that are right, okay, that are in keeping with God's will, and therefore have good results, then this is what we're calling good. Things that are not in keeping with God's will and have bad results, we're calling that evil. Okay? So there is God's will, and man has a choice to do it or not do it. All right, because God's law is perfect, that means when I defy it, there will be consequences. Otherwise, it's not perfect. If I can do those things that are sinful and there's no consequences, then it's not inherently right. But I cannot. So what happens when I defy God's law, then I bring these consequences, and it's these consequences then that I'm calling evil or bad. But it comes about because I have broken God's law. And I'm saying that the bad that exists in our world exists because we break God's laws. And that God doesn't make us break His laws. It's our, it's our choice. And we don't, and, and even in our own faith, we're growing all the time. We don't have perfect faith. And, and as we grow in our faith and we grow in our love, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Paul, how do you, how do you reconcile that little example that I gave you about coming from work and running Say, disobeying the laws. Did you intend to disobey the law? No. Were you aware that you were disobeying it as you were? I don't believe you sinned. You broke the law. But you didn't break it in his You, you broke the legality of a little thing I, any more than him walking over the cliff. But if uh, uh, I don't believe you sinned. Been, if I'd have been caught, uh, the. Uh, <laughs> well, see, the, the thing is. I mean, the uh, thing is, in, so in the was, law... So that was wrong. I mean, you talked to a policeman. We had a policeman give a talk at our place, and he said in Oak Ridge, he said, if you stay within 8 or 10 miles an hour of the speed limit, he said, we're not going to stop. Right. And so, I mean, that's understood. They understand that some people are not going to pay attention to the speed limit, and they're going to be thinking about other things. But the guy that's out there running 60 and 65 or 70 in a 45-mile-an-hour in a speed zone, yeah. he doesn't have an excuse. Right. And... And I would say the guys that, are going to get stumped. I would say what Mark is saying. Nobody's answered my question, you know. 
Well, I said you didn't sin. That if you if you did not willfully intend to do something that is wrong, that you're talking about driving down the road and your your needle has slipped over here a little too much and you're unaware of it. That uh, I'm saying that that is not any. You haven't had any intent of heart to hurt anybody or break any laws or anything like that. Uh, in other but, words, you can break the law but not sin, like David with the showbread. He broke the law, but God. He had no Christ intent. Christ said that he was. He did not. He had no intent to sin. Uh, it would not be a sin, in other words, for you to rush, some, rush somebody to the hospital. That's a good example. That's, that's cut their, their head off, you know? But if he's cut that right, uh, I, we were playing touch football one time with a bunch of guys on Sunday between services, and one of the members had a heart attack, and I owned a station wagon. We put him in the station wagon and started giving him CPR, and I went down the road as fast as I could drive with my hand on the horn. And a policeman pulled up beside us, and I motioned back there to him. He got in front of me, whipped his siren on, and led us right on into the hospital. And we did not, in other words, legally, we broke a law, but mercy triumphed over the legality of that situation. Nobody intended to break any, any particular law. Or you go to sleep at the wheel. You've been up all day and working, and you're you're driving home. Fatigue gets the best of you, and you and you run into a tree and you've killed yourself. Well, see, have you murdered yourself? Have you sinned? Well, why did God require sacrifice for an unintentional sin in Deuteronomy? All right, in the unintentional things in uh, that they were guilty of, it had nothing to do with murder and lying and cheating and things like that. It had to do with these rituals of the law itself that, that dealt with all their sacrifices. They had a multitude of laws that they had to carry out. And they had all kinds of washings and bathings and everything like that. And so there was always the possibility that somebody would make a mistake and handle something in a wrong way or do something in a wrong Because it was, it was all information that your conscience couldn't teach you. You had to be taught it. You, you, you couldn't know any of those rituals without being taught and so somebody has to teach you. There's no books back then. You, you, you've got the material that's being fed to you by the priest. It was very easily to unintentionally make mistakes. But those unintentional sins that then when you become aware of, it wasn't somebody like somebody that's stealing for somebody else or murdering or committing adultery, and then all of a sudden he becomes aware that, hey, I'm, I'm doing something that's wrong here. But it was those things of the law. It's in the category of what we're talking about. How often do you partake of the Lord's Supper? Do you have a piano or not have a, a piano? Or what is the proper belief on this particular doctrine? Uh, we might in ignorance be wrong on any number of those things. And then when we become aware of it, we go, we go ahead and change in, in that particular area. But we're talking about the sin that takes place in a man's heart. When he does wrong things towards his neighbor or wrong things towards God. Well, isn't he, but he's, he's guilty, well, I shouldn't say guilty. He has sinned yeah. when he does something, even when he's unaware Yeah. he's done something wrong. And what God says in, in the Old Testament is that when he becomes aware, right. he is guilty. When he becomes aware, then he offers a sacrifice, right? He's guilty, but... But if, if that's the case, then he could have sinned. Unaware. It was still wrong. Yeah. But it, see, totally unaware, but, but this sin would not be because of any evil desire. 
In other words, there's no evil intent. It has nothing to do with desire. Sure. So you could sin but not have guilt, right? Yeah. But that's so easy for us because Jesus has already made the sacrifice. Right. So we don't have to worry about that at all. He's already got those unintentional sins taken care of. (laughs) And he's got the intentional ones taken care of. I guess right. We got it As a matter of fact, the intentional ones... The The intentional ones are are taken care of as you... In other words... There, if you continue to willfully sin, there remaineth no more sacrifice for your sin. Right. Jesus didn't die for people to continue to willfully sin. Right. Where is the passage? Keep me from secret sins. It's in the Psalms. Well, secret by nature has to be willful. <laughs> <laughs> presumptuous, I think, is one translation. Uh, I think it's presumptuous sin. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's presumptuous is the right translation. What do you think that God would... And, uh, the devil made it. Uh, they're right. The devil doesn't make us do anything. Okay, the Satan is just a word that means adversary, uh, the, the adversary to God. And the we don't have a lot of information other than knowing that, that the, the information we have is that we've got an, an angels that have rebelled before the creation of man against God. But that was a willful thing on their part. And Peter speaks of angels, cats in pits of darkness waiting for judgment. And we have Satan coming on the scene in Job, and God points out Job and says, do you see what a righteous man he is? And Satan says, let me have a shot at him. And he'll curse you and says, God says, okay. And he, but don't, don't take his life. What happens there, Satan is sinned against God. God could destroy Satan. But destroying Satan wouldn't prove that God's way is right. It just proved that God's all-powerful and everybody knows that. So, he creates man. And when man of his own free will makes a decision to serve God, he glorifies God, he shows that he identifies that those things are inherently right of God, and he can see that. And he glorifies God. And, 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 and Satan is looking on, and remember Satan says, the only reason he's good is because you give him all that stuff, God. Let me take it all away, and we'll see how good he is. So he takes it all away. And he finds out that Job was good because he loved God. And he believed that God's law was right. And he really wasn't just doing that because God was giving him that. And so Satan is seeing that God's law is so inherently right that human beings, without being coerced or forced or anything, can identify with that. And so what is happening there is God is demonstrating the rightness of his law and that his way is perfect and that we can see it without it being forced on us, and that his law is not right just because he forces it. It is inherently right. Well, God had his own choice to make there. He could have destroyed Satan. He chose to allow Satan to observe man after God created him on this earth and to watch man either obey or disobey God, and he's aware of all that's involved there. But Satan in no way has anything to do with our free choice. 
And he, like the other angels, in other words, the, the teaching of the Bible is that the angels have free choice. And there were some that chose to rebel against God. And that we're almost like a, uh, according to the Bible, we're a spectacle with angels aware of what's going on on this earth. And angels being used in, as, as God's messengers in, the, in his providential care over those that serve him. And then it speaks of other angels that have rebelled against God. So again, it's, it's a matter of evil coming about because an exercise of free choice. You're either a robot or you have free choice. And as long as a being has free choice, then there is a possibility of, of evil coming about. And the only way you can do evil is just a consequence. And so the only way you can do away with evil is take away free choice. And the evil that I do comes about because of my free choice. And the only way that all I have to do is God can make me a robot, and then I can't be guilty of evil. But I have free choice. But you couldn't glorify God if he made you a robot. Right. There's no glory in that. It, if he just made sure. you, you just go around, you're just, you're just It'd be thing. just like, uh, what would it mean to you if your wife loved you because she has, she's just programmed that way? We hook her up to a computer and we punch little buttons and then she says, hey, I'm attracted to him and I love him. That wouldn't do anything for you. The, the reason that love means something to us. Well, it means give me supper on time. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that a person's love means something to you is because they don't have to love you. And they've made a choice. And when a person is kind or courteous to you, the reason it does mean a whole lot to you is because you know they had a choice. They didn't have to be kind or courteous, and, they, and that's why it means something to you. And, and, the, and the only way that good means anything is if it's because of free choice. In like matter, the only way evil is anything is when it comes about by choice. It's not an accidental type thing. Does, does, the, does the notion of free choice imply that at some point God chose to place some things out of his control? Is there any clue, any insight in Scripture as to why he wanted to do that? Um, the, uh, there are some things impossible with God, like, you know, it's impossible for God to lie. Yeah. It's impossible for God to, to make a being with free choice and then be guaranteed of not having evil. Right. And, and in, in the same way, when we bring a child, we know that it's impossible to bring that child into being and, and that's going to have free choice and not know that there is the possibility that that child will one day reject this or do wrong things because the child has free choice. I can accept that he's done that. What I can't figure out is why he wanted to. Well, what if God creates you in his image? You might ask yourself the question, those of us that wanted children, why did we want children? What, I mean, did, why he did, the, did he have a need that he couldn't solve any other way? Well... We made a decision, Barbara and I, to have six children. It's cost me just about everything I've made. <laughs> it's uh, I've got two daughters. I've got two daughters in college now that I'm still concerned about, you know, and, and that uh, you know, and I'm, until all of them are safely married and everything like that, it's there. It's been a lot of work. It's been some anguish. It's been some troublesome moments. But also the greatest joy of our life has come through our children. And nothing would hurt me more than the death of one of my children. All right? I couldn't have the children with the relationship I've got without the, without the other. 
because of their free choice and all. I, my love towards God would have no significance whatsoever except I had the capacity to choose not to love Him. And, and so I think that, I believe that it's no accident in the way that God has made us, man and woman, and to produce children the way we do and to bring them up. And then he, after we do that, following his design, he then declares himself our father in heaven and, and gives us the same relationships down here that he sustains to us. And I believe it's through those relationships we come to understand God. And just like Jesus said, when trying to get you to pray to your father, he said, when your son asks you of something to eat, you don't give him a snake. How much more your heavenly Father? If you be an evil, give good gifts to your children. So God, I believe to understand a lot of things like you're saying about God, all we have to do is look at ourselves. And, and I can, and as, as fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, etc., that we, through these relationships, can come to understand about God. And so that why is it that most human beings have made the decision to have children? I mean a willful decision to have children, knowing that they would have free choice and knowing that they could disobey them or that they could reject them and, and leave and cause them a lot of grief, that there's that possibility that's there. And yet, because of the potential joy and the relationship, we go ahead and make that decision to have, have children. So it's not so much that God wanted to reach a higher level of fulfillment somehow, therefore He created... He's perfect. Right. It was because it's better to have created a being that has a chance to become a child of God than for, to, for that being to have never existed at all. You, you, the only way you can have beings in the way God is dealing is through this process. Otherwise, you'd have robots. And so it's, it's just like our lives. I think maybe another example, I believe the more friends you have, the richer your life. Uh, that every time you develop a relationship with somebody, the, the, I was talking to somebody earlier in the day that said he saw me at Jubilee, you know, when I was there earlier, and, and he was down there, and, he, and, and then he mentioned how that he just loved the experience there, being with so many Christians who seemed so sincere, and the song service was so great, and, and things of that nature, and he just really enjoyed that experience. Well, I did too. You know, I, not just there, but anytime I've been in a setting with a lot of really devout Christians, I just love it. You know, I just I just relish the uh, everything about it, and and I and when you meet a really a person that is good, you just you just feel good, and so I'm saying that then what is the difference in God making man, and that man is the eternal spirit, and so there will be all of these billions and billions or whatever that will dwell eternally with God for however long that uh, time goes on, and for those people that don't. It'll be because of their choice. Right. They have made the choice not to dwell. And that's sad, but it's still their choice. I've got six children right now. They're all faithful. If one of my children makes the choice to depart and live in the world, I still won't be sorry that I made the decision to have children just because I didn't get all six of them. Another thing about God creating the earth, too, is, is we live in a situation where we can't experience God physically so therefore we're free to make choices where he's not forcing us or we're not he's not bullying us into obeying him. that's a good point and that leads to a lot that uh, a good example on that is 
what if uh, God were an overwhelming presence? In other words, right now, God is just a, a blob of fire there speaking out of it. Um, how many people here is going to do something wrong? <laughs> you know, you go to the bank to rob it. You, you, you go to the bank. You, you go to the bank to rob the bank. And you, and you want to rob the bank. And you get there, and they got a whole load of policemen there. Well, I'm not going to have any trouble repenting. But that don't mean I'm not a thief. And, and so, but then you'd have people being righteous, not because they loved it, but because of God's overwhelming presence. So in order to get what God wants, he has to withdraw so he's not an overwhelming presence and allow us to have choice. And so he makes himself enough presence, enough present, so that if we're willing to be honest, we can be, like, like Paul said, we can reason with the intelligence that he has given us, and we can look at the evidence and we can be honest with it, like his word will bear fruit in a good and honest heart. But on the other hand, it's still our choice. And we can make the choice to be dishonest. And, and, and as a result of that, we can choose not to believe in God through, through dishonesty. And so, but by not forcing anything on us, and the only way God can have that relationship is to keep himself not an overwhelming presence. Uh, I believe in your, as you rear your own children, the real glory comes not when your children are good with you sitting there watching them. And by the way, I'm not talking about little kids. But I'm talking about the, and when they go into young adults, when they sit there in your living room and they're doing some right things, it's when they're out on their own making their own choices and they make cho choices to be a good mate and they make choices to be active in a church. And so I could look and I can say, hey, my son, without me taking him to church, that he's made the decision to go to church on his own and he's worshiping God and, and things like that. Then you feel good. Uh, and I think that in the in the same way with God, that it was his choice to, to do it in that way. And that's the only way that God could get what he wanted. I can see how that a godless sorrow would not be right within our hearts if we just felt like, well, we just all sin. And sometimes you hear that someone commits adultery. Oh, well, we all sin. Yeah. And I think if we just feel like that we're going to all sin, that there's not much room there for godly sorrow that you've done wrong and you've offended God. But if you realize, I didn't have to sin, I chose to do that, then it, then it, it makes you feel bad that you have sinned and there is a godly sorrow right within you that you've offended God and you've done something wrong. But I don't know how that sorrow can be there. If if you just think, well, we're all going to sin, we're you know, it's it just we just do it, we just kind of say it lightly. Well, we're all going to sin because that's the nature, so we're all going to sin. Yeah. So how can you have a godly sorrow unless you know that you can't, you could yeah. have not sin, yeah. you chose to sin against God. Yeah. You'll be able to accept the consequences here, right? Right. Um, you know that kind of thing that you said, um, uh, Alvo, the example you give. I believe in those very subtle ways, that is an area where we all do, but I believe that it, I still believe that it is an intentional thing, but I think it's a tight thing we do, and then sometimes it's so awkward that you really don't know whether you've done the right or wrong thing. That's what I mean, I'm not sure your intent of heart, because on some of these given things like you're talking about, on the one hand, you don't want to wave a flag up and be ostentatious and say, hey, look at me, I'm giving this, but on the other hand, the society puts a certain amount of pressure to give to these particular things, 
And so you're thinking, well, if, if they think I'm stingy and I don't give, that's going to hurt my influence. So I want them to know that I did give something. And so I, I'm thinking that is it sometimes, that it's not a matter of, of wanting to do something wrong, but, but you know that I, I'm a Christian, I want this person to think well of me, and therefore I want them to be aware that I'm doing it. I'm saying that, that those feelings could actually be a part of it. And, it's, and I think we this all was, go through those was, awkward well, things. Well, this was a well-deserved situation. I mean, this, this particular man has cancer, yeah. and he's, he hasn't worked for some time. And you know it would be expected of you to give something. Well, well, and there's something to be said about letting your light shine, yeah. so we'll get into a whole other yeah, ball game of when are you letting your light shine and when are you trying to show. Right, but I don't, I guess I don't think that we always know what the intent is. But see, what I'm saying is I don't believe in sin. I don't think we always know what the intent is. It's not until later that we really truly understand the intent of heart. But I'm saying I don't believe it is sin. See, what I'm saying is, is that unless you're intent on heart, we don't, well, we don't disagree about the fact that it's the heart. But what? But but you don't always know on a conscious level what's in your heart. It's at later dates that you really and truly understood. You didn't recognize it. You didn't recognize it. You may have been dishonest with yourself or something. Well, but you couldn't be dishonest with yourself unless you recognize Honesty is a matter of Later, after it was done. Yeah. You know, after it was done, and you later, later, out of the emotion, had a chance to fully understand what took place, and you can be honest with yourself. Uh, at that time, you really, you really know why you did things. It's not always a mind. I don't feel threatened by that. I don't feel threatened. I just believe that God doesn't require. I don't believe that God puts anything evil within us. Uh, at all. I believe that whatever well, evil I, don't I think have that God is, does, is my fault. Well, I don't believe that God puts it in there either, but it's there. Well, if God don't put it in there, how'd it get there? Uh, well, it gets there because we live in the world. Yeah, no, but you, right. but you allow it. You allow it. Well, did God put good nature in you? If he's I believe you're a blank sheet. And good is just a choice to obey God, and then we call that good. So, so someone was put, someone was born and was able to be loved or cared for, and not ever be taught anything. They just be trying to. No, they still be tempted though, because see, they would still have these desires within, and that when this person grows to maturity, they're still going to observe the opposite sex. They're still going to observe things they want. Uh, they're still going to have differences with people. So the desires and the temptations in, in the richest, best environment, they would always be there. And in the poorest, because you have free choice. Because you have free choice, that means you have a choice of good or evil. Right. And sometimes you're going to choose evil, and sometimes you're going to choose good. And it's your choice. And, and just like on temptations, they're, they're different, uh, I think, depending on the individual. Uh, I believe somebody, for example, that... Uh, if somebody is super intelligent, way up here in this high genius category, I believe that there would be it'd be very tempting to be proud. Anything you're better than other people at. I think this person that is super good looking or super anything would maybe be tempted in an area that I'm not, you know, because they could be very easily but then I can be tempted. Maybe they're tempted to be proud and I'm tempted to be envious. But we've still got a temptation we're fighting, 
you know, in, in the process. 